Alistair Bridge, and you're listening to Unlocked World, the podcast where I, despite enforced confinement in my home, show you that it is possible to be free and to travel the world via my extensive back catalogue of travel writing. I've been overwhelmed by the feedback that my little podcast has received so far, and the volume and effusiveness of said feedback has precipitated one little change on my part. I thought that if so many are listening, it behooves me to put a little extra effort into the sound quality. And as such, I've hired a producer, a young man who I met through our local Blackheath Next Door forum, who will be editing the podcast henceforth to make sure that it is as immersive an experience as my writing is intended to be. I must say that meeting Michael through Next Door has been a wonderful experience. It is so good that even though I may be housebound, I'm still able to make connections with young creatives and give them that crucial leg up into the industry. Truly, the internet is a wonderful thing. Now, on to the episode. This week, I'd like to share something a little different with you than in previous weeks. Many of you will be aware that as well as having written for years about my travels around the globe, I have also somehow found the time to dabble in fiction writing, grounded, of course, in my vast experience as a man of the world. Today, I'd like to share a chapter from my 2010 novel, Agua de Vida. I say 2010 novel, it was completed in 2007, but some publishers wouldn't know a page-turner if it slapped them about the chops with all 178 of its riveting pages. The novel follows a charismatic British academic and journalist as he is caught up with a group of freedom fighters in the fictional, but some reviewers have suggested, all-too-real Central American Republic of El Caragua. The novel is in part inspired by, and indeed dedicated to, Mark Thatcher. So let's take a trip to El Caragua. Hijo de puta, spat Vasquez at the television, which displayed at that moment the greasy face of Alejandro Salvatore, El Caragua's self-declared president for life. The television was muted, but had it not been, joked some of the men, all you would be able to hear would be the hiss of a snake betraying his people, the people he claimed to serve. Of course, everyone from the poorest peasant to the most upstanding El Caraguan man of business, those who hadn't been executed, of course, could tell you that the only people Salvatore served were himself. Dr. Alexander Bright, PhD, MA, scrutinised the inscrutable face of Vasquez, the no-nonsense leader of the rebellion against Salvatore's corrupt regime. He was aged beyond his years, but he still looked good, a scar or two adding to his good looks. Indeed, his looks were good enough that Bright had noted a girlfriend or two in most of the places they had travelled. Why must a man of action limit himself to just the one kind of action? Vasquez had joked with a wink. 
How have I got myself mixed up in all of this? Bright thought to himself. But of course, deep down he knew. It was his sense of justice. Ever since learning of the plight of the Caraguan people whilst teaching at Harvard, Bright knew that he would see them free or die trying. He thought back to that night now, when Julia Montemaria, all legs and attitude, but with a quiet, lingering sadness flickering in her eyes like a gentle flame, had walked into his lecture room. He'd been marking papers all night and was exhausted, but not so much to avoid awarding one final mark. A ten. Are you Dr. Bright? She had asked, her voice husky and dripping with a thick, alluring accent. Scorchio! Why, yes, I am. And who might you be? My name is Julia Monte Maria. I was born in the favelas of San Caragua, El Caragua. Breaks were few and far between where I came from, and I did what I needed to get out. <laughs> what did you have to do? Bright asked. I don't like to talk about it. I've trusted one too many men in my time, she replied, sharply. Her manner suddenly guarded. How many? asked Bright. Just one. Alejandro Salvatore, fired back Yulia. Her beautiful tan face contorted with sexy anger. Over the next few hours and several, bottles of the finest red at the Harvard University bar, all charged, of course, to Bright's considerable tab, Yulia filled him in on the sad recent history of El Caragua. Alejandro Salvatore, the son of a rich landowner, had thrown away his good status to rise to the head of a movement to depose the democratically elected head of the army. Chewbacca, everybody's favourite eight-foot Wookiee. General Angel Jimenez. Respected businessmen like Yulia's father had been first against the wall. As their businesses were seized by Salvatore's goons and their hard-won property distributed to the undeserving. Yulia's fiery passion ignited in bright a fiery passion and he longed to lay his hands upon the humble mountains of her breasts. Though he had never seen El Caragua, nor heard of it before she walked into his room, the rising of her voice and the incredible shape of her body told him all he needed to know about the beauty of this nation and its downtrodden people. As they finished another bottle of Malbec and Harvard's great clock began to strike 12am midnight, Bright moved to kiss her. She had recoiled, but not for lack of lust, but lack of trust. I can't let you in, she said. My door has been kicked down one too many times and I know that the hinges of my trust are just too weak. If I let you in, I may never be able to close my door again, she whispered, tears welling in her determined, soft eyes. But, Dr. Bright, there is one thing you can do for me. Free my people. Free my people and I will be indebted to you forever. That's how Dr. Alexander Bright had ended up on an Augusta Westland Apache AH-1 flying into Santa Castellón, El Caragua's second city, with a crack unit of private security men from Darkwater Haviland. As the bird rocked, Bright had to hold on to his metal-rimmed glasses. Hold on to your eyes, Poindexter, laughed Colonel Jean Viper Macron, a veteran of the French Foreign Legion who had joined Darkwater as it better suited his particular set of skills. Dark Water Haviland. Bright thought back to the first time he'd heard that name in the Great Hall at Merton College, Oxford University, during the annual alumni dinner, as his old dorm mate, Simon McCann, had turned to him and said, Have you heard what Stirls is up to? Referring to their one-time coxswain in the boat race team, 
Vincent Sterling. Sterling's style had been too much for the boat race team and his ideas too big for the university and he'd been kicked out of both. But Simon had clearly kept in touch. He's established a defence company, some say almost a private army. They're the guys who'll do what needs to be done when the government hasn't got the guts. A hard bunch of bastards who'll do whatever it takes, however much it takes, when it takes. Fair and just, but God help you if you get on the wrong side of them. Some months later, McCann had joined up, clearly tired of his position at PricewaterhouseCooper and hungering for something real. Bright had returned to academia, preferring to fight ideas rather than terrorists. But he kept McCann and Sterling in his Rolodex, and latterly, mobile contacts. How are you going to pay for this? Sterling had asked, after Bright had made his proposition. Don't worry. I know someone who's already paid enough, and she won't mind paying a little more said Bright, thinking of Yulia. Yulia's uncle, Hernan Monte Maria, had got out of San Caragua in time, where others hadn't been so lucky. He had settled down in Miami, with nothing but the shirt on his back and a small number of canny investments in the States made before Salvatore's tyranny. Since then, emblematic of the Caraguan spirit, he'd established himself as a successful property developer and club owner. One call from Yulia had been all it had taken to get him to open his wallet, as tears sprang in his eyes at the thought of his homeland free at last. Viva Caragua Libre, he had breathed through thick cigar smoke. As the bird touched down in Cristobal Square, Santa Castiglione, the Darkwater men fanned out to form a perimeter. Viper barked at Bright to get moving. Stunned from his reverie, Bright joined the men, Beast McBurney, Schwartzman, Rocco Bruto, great walls of muscle. They set up behind the square's fountain, whose centerpiece was a massive, gaudy statue of Salvatore. Let's teach this motherfucker a lesson, growled Beast. There's a unit of Salvatore's goons coming up from behind City Hall. That was Chase Tech Dean, the brains of the operation, a dab hand with anything with a circuit. He had been monitoring the radar. Soon, there was a rain of bullets hailing down on them. Viper was quick to return fire. Salvatore's men might be numerous, but the country's ailing regime had trained them little, and they were no match for Darkwater's experienced killers. Hang on, there's something else. But I've not seen signals like this since the Cold War, shouted Chase over the comms. Oh, Madre de Cristo, shouted Rocco, as around the helicopter swarmed fifty heavily armed camouflaged men. On your knees, dogs, shouted the ringleader. Bright and the men were forced to comply. These sons of bitches had the upper hand. A pair of aces. Pocket rockets. The ringleader removed his mask. Fuck, shouted Beast. Valentin Petrov. I should have known the KGB's fingerprints were all over this shit. Please, McBurney, began Petrov. You know we've not been the KGB for years. We are the FSB now, comrade. Bright felt rage like he'd never felt boiling up inside him. And of what benefit is it to Mother Russia keeping these people under the boot of Salvatore? Surely you know that we can't let a good socialist fall under the yoke of imperialism? The Russians laughed, harsh, bitter laughter. Have them transported to El Jefe's place. His jaguars will make short work of them. 
ordered Petrov. Oh, fuck. I can't believe you've done this. But before the Darkwater squad could be loaded onto the transport, a sniper's bullet cut through the air like a knife, catching one of the Russians in the neck. Oh, fuck. The stricken man let out a blood-curdling wheeze. Oh, fuck. And Petrov scrambled for cover. Suddenly, guerrilla fighters raced out of the surrounding buildings and the Russians began to drop like flies. The Darkwater squad wasted little time in recovering their weapons and dispatching the last of the FSB men. Bright, shaken, gathered his nerves and surveyed the scene. The Darkwater men were getting to their feet and Viper was wiping the blood from the muzzle of his assault rifle. From the corner of his eye, Bright saw one of the wounded Russians unholstering a pistol concealed on his ankle. Viper! shouted Bright and without thinking, threw his hunting knife. The blade seemed to wheel through the air for eternity, before, with deadly force, it struck home in the man's eye. Mad, breathed Viper. Where did you learn to throw like that? I didn't, laughed Bright. God damn, you're all right, Poindexter, guffawed Viper. Before they could get their bearings, the guerrilla men converged on the darkwater chopper. A gorilla with a commanding air spoke first. My name's Vasquez. About time you hijos de puta showed up. Oh, fuck. I can't believe you've done this. And that is the first chapter of Agua de Vida, which is still available for a small donation via my website. Uh, I hope that you enjoyed this little foray into a fictional world, but one which I believe tells us a good deal about our own. I'll be back next time with another edition of Unlocked World. Unlocked World was an Alistair Bridge production for a full version of Agua de Vida alongside the full Alexander Bridge Quintilogy, please make a small donation to the Alistair Bridge Legal Defence Fund at alistairbridge.net. <laughs>